Welcome to the first episode of International Voices in 2023. I am your host and moderator, Udo Fluk, and I have the honor to oversee the Global Office in Arts Missoula. To listen to podcast episodes from 2022, 2021, and 2020, please visit artsmissoula.org, click on Global, and visit Radio and Podcasts. International Voices is a monthly podcast brought to you by Arts Missoula Global and The Trail 1033. I can't believe that this February podcast is the start of year three for the International Voices podcast series. Thank you to all the listeners near and far for tuning in every month to keep us going. We are proud to have established a solid audience with listeners in 10 countries around the world. The 11 monthly International Voices podcast episodes in 2023 are exclusively sponsored by Orr McDonnell Law in Missoula, your advocates for all personal, injury, family law, and landlord-tenant matters. This February episode is part one of a three-part series on organizations and nonprofits that have aided Missoula to become a more diverse community. I'm thrilled to talk to several leaders in our community that have done exactly that, helped with their programming, services, and products to make Missoula more diverse. Welcome, Amon Fehi. Deputy Director of the International Rescue Committee, Missoula Branch. And my first question is, can you please tell us about the mission of the International Rescue Committee and your role in it? Great, thank you. Yeah, happy to. So uh, our, our role uh, or our mission at the International Rescue Committee is to help people whose lives have been shattered uh, by conflict and disaster, uh, including the climate crisis. Um, to survive, recover, and, and gain control over their lives. Um, so we work uh, in, in the United States, uh, our offices, the IRC's offices, um, are, are act as resettlement agencies. So we work sort of on the back end of, of this humanitarian work. Okay. So um, uh, it, it's, it's a long journey for people who have been displaced for for one of these reasons again, oftentimes due to conflict, um, but but for some other reasons as well, um, for them to have to flee their countries, right. um, have to flee their homes, their right. friends, their livelihoods, to uh, you know to to be forced feel like they uh, are, need to be forced to leave their country, right. their home, right. and go to a second country. Right. So once they get to that second country, um, they uh, and 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 uh, and and can start a new new life there, right. or perhaps they end up in a refugee camp. Right. Uh, they they may be eligible to uh, uh, seek refugee status, um, and uh, once they uh, and and refugee status is something that's managed by the United Nations. Um, uh, High Commission on Refugees. Okay, um, and uh, uh, so once they receive that status, they may be eligible to be resettled. Um, 
not very many refugees, uh, you know, folks that receive that status are actually resettled. It's actually uh, huh. uh, far less than one percent of oh, the really? total refugees. Yes. Um, so most people, most people who who again are displaced from their homes right. uh, and end up in that second country, usually start a new life there. Okay. Um, and one great example to sort of illustrate this is uh, in Lebanon. So one in four uh, people who live in Lebanon are refugees. Um, you know, staggering number. Um, and uh, and and so again, what happens is uh, most people end up starting a new life uh, in this second country. Sure. So what we do is for that that less than one percent of people who are actually resettled. Right. Um, and these are. Um, these are folks that are sort of uh, uh, judged to be the most in need. Right. Um, are they are uh, resettled into? Uh, there's something like 20 countries that actually receive refugees. Okay, including in our hemisphere, Mexico, Canada, our two neighbors. Right. Uh, and of course, our country. Right. Uh, there are Euro- European countries, uh, uh, Australia, I believe, New Zealand, a couple of others. Right. So um, what happens is, uh, and, and this happens oftentimes after 10 years or so, uh, uh, they are notified that they're going to be resettled. So uh, again, imagine you're in a refugee camp in right. Lebanon. You've been there for 10 years. Um, you know, you're, you're Children are going to school. Right. Uh, they were born in the refugee camp, uh, and they um, you you are notified that you are going to be resettled, um, and uh, later find out that you're going to be resettled in Missoula, Montana. Uh, and I'm sure most folks had never heard of Missoula, Montana. You know, if right. they're in a refugee camp oh, sure. in Lebanon or sure. in Uganda, right? Um, and uh, so uh, then sort of another journey begins. Right. Um, and, uh, uh, and, and this is when we come into play, uh, our, our, our operations here in Missoula. Okay. So we are notified that um, a family of six folks um, is going to be arriving to, uh, to Missoula in a couple of weeks. Um, so we get that notification through our organization. Um, and at this point, it's the State Department that we have a contract with. I see. Okay. Uh, and uh, we then um, um, basically they're assigned to be resettled in Missoula. Sure. Uh, and uh, so we're notified that uh, of that again a couple of weeks usually before they actually arrive. Okay. So we go and meet them at the airport, um, and uh, um, you know, and then our work really begins. Uh, and what our work uh, includes is um, uh, we, we're finding them housing, right. um, working on uh, cultural orientation mm-hmm. where, um, and, and you can imagine uh, coming to this country and oh. learning about our financial system, uh, our education system, our sure. health system, sure. all of these things. Right. Um, so we, we, we begin at least that process of orienting people right. to their new home. Right. Um, we are also enrolling them in school in English language learning classes, okay. helping them find jobs, um, um, getting so them really, to- it's really yeah. um, many different arms that are sort of part of this. It's not just in one direction, but there's all kinds of, of areas that you cover. Yes, absolutely. Okay. Um, 
the organization. And thank you, Emin, for telling me a little bit more about the process of how this actually works. Mm -hmm. And I'm surprised that it is that lengthy of a process, but um, obviously uh, these are not things that happen quickly. And um, uh, I'm pretty sure we will talk more about uh, what needs to be in place for a person to be resettled, and what kind of um, what kind of a procedure a person would have to go through to actually be uh, well to be qualified to be mm -hmm. resettled, and of course that all takes time. But I would like to go back just a little bit to the IRC itself and um, the fact that it's not a new organization, but it actually goes back to. Well, 1933, I believe, and an early version uh, of it was started as the European-based International Relief Association. That's what it was called in the early days. It was founded at the suggestion of Albert Einstein um, to assist Germans suffering under Hitler. Refugees from Mussolini's Italy and Franco's Spain are later assisted as well. How has the organization grown and changed over the past 90 years from this original sort of international relief association to the actual rescue uh, committee? Yes. Well, uh, we, we've certainly changed quite a bit, um, but uh, I think we're also true probably to that original mission, which was, okay. again, helping folks who um, – uh, again, maybe were displaced or right. or felt that they needed to flee their right. homes right. Um, in some way and, and so needed assistance to, right. to do that. Um, today, we're an organization that operates in more than 40 countries. Um, you know, most recently, we opened uh, offices uh, about a year ago uh, in, in March uh, of last year in Poland and Moldova. Oh, in wow. response to uh, Russia's invasion of Ukraine. Right. Um, and uh, uh, so, uh, again, we're, we're, we're operating now uh, worldwide, um, I, I think in most every continent uh, in, in the world. Um, and, and we respond, again, to, uh, 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 to humanitarian uh, crises, um, whether they be, uh, again, uh, uh, due to conflict, uh, due to uh, economic uh, turmoil, mm -hmm. uh, or due to, uh, again, uh, climate, right. uh, changes in the climate. Right. Um, and, uh, and, and so uh, it, our, our scope is much broader now. So while so, it started in Europe originally, yes. it now is truly a global organization. Yes, yes. Okay. And we have, uh, I believe, more than 20,000 uh, staff wow. operating, again, all over the world and international level. Yeah. Yes, yeah, yeah. and um, yeah, and we, we we tend to go to those places and uh, and, and identify places where uh, again there's there's a great need for sure. assistance. Sure. So uh, globally, we have programs, uh, very strong programs in health, uh, in, um, uh, in in safety, and, uh, and 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 again, just responding to needs. So, right, right. whether it's providing food and shelter, uh, all, all those kinds of things. So, right. in, uh, again, in, in Poland and Moldova, um, we we set up operations very very quickly, um, 
and uh, and and again to respond to, you know, five or six or seven million people who had to <laughs> yeah. uh, actually leave uh, the Ukraine uh, uh, through those those countries uh, like Moldova and right. Poland. Now, while most people by now are aware of the refugee crisis um, in the Ukraine, the IRC actually compiles a watch list of the top 10 crises in the world. And uh, in 2023, because the organization is helping in many different locations around the world simultaneously, there are other um, crisis uh, locations aside from uh, the Ukraine. Can you tell us a bit more about the reach of the IRC and what difference the organization makes on a global scale? Yes. Yeah. So um, one of the reasons uh, the IRC compiles this watch list that that, that you're alluding to, um, and and uh, there's there's a total of 20 countries that are identified that are on this watch list, and and the top 10 uh, now includes Ukraine, yeah. uh, uh, and uh, and and other countries that are on that list include uh, places like uh, Somalia, Ethiopia. Um, uh, and in our hemisphere, Haiti. Um, okay. Uh, uh, other countries include Syria, Lebanon, okay. Yemen, right. um, uh, Afghanistan. And some um, of these have been probably on that list for a for long time. For a very long time, yes. Okay. So um, Ukraine is fairly new, obviously. Yes, although uh, uh, several years ago, I believe it was, uh, you know, 2014, 15, mm -hmm. it was on the list uh, right. at that time, too. Right. So part of the reason we, we the, the IRC compiles this list right. or uh, goes through this, and they're looking at all kinds of, of factors sure. uh, when, when they compile this list, is so that we can make sure that we are getting resources to the places where they're most needed. Um, and uh, again, this might be um, uh, um, Central Africa. Right. It, it 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 it's you know obviously Afghanistan right. has been in the headlines. Sure. Um, and uh, that's a country that that's been on this list for for many years, right. I believe. And unfortunately, uh, I think there is no shortage of crises in the world. Uh, it only goes the other way, as in more crises. Yes. Uh, so I mean, the need for an organization like the IRC seems to be now more critical than it probably was 20, 30 years ago. Yes. Not, not to say that there weren't any crises 20 or 30 years ago, but it seems that recently they are um, significantly more than there were decades ago. Yes. No. And, and so we're at a level now that's, um, I, I think, where the numbers are greater than they've ever been. Right. So uh, a couple of years ago, uh, that that time period was during the Second World War, right. where right. there was uh, just another great, uh, due to conflict, sure. so many people who were displaced. Right. Um, today, uh, that number, I believe the UN has put that number at over 100 million people around the world that have been displaced wow. from, from their homes. Uh, now, when, when I say displaced, uh, some of them might still be in their original country. Sure. For instance, in Ukraine. Right. Uh, there are, um, I, and the, these numbers are uh, going back a little ways, but sure. I remember hearing, you know, there are 
a total of 12 million people in Ukraine who have been displaced, so one in four Ukrainians. Um, some of them uh, left the country. Right. Others are displaced but remain somewhere in Ukraine. Right. Um, so anyhow, 100 million people displaced. Um, and again, it's it's for for several reasons. Right. Um, and um, uh, you know, one of the, the the big impacts on that now and drivers of of uh, this this great displacement right. is uh, climate uh, right. changes in the climate, um, uh, which is which causes famine uh, and causes people to seek to. Uh, you know, and, and great economic turmoil, sure. which causes people to feel like they and 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 conflict too. Oh, sure, uh, all sure. of those things are driven by right by uh, uh, some of the climate change. Right, and so people. That's another reason why that number is 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 so high and continues to grow. Right. Now you mentioned this uh, just a few minutes ago that there are over forty. IRC program locations around the world, and um, in this country, uh, 28 cities are involved in refugee resettlement. How much do the individual offices in the United States collaborate with each other? I mean, while they are in different locations mm -hmm. and probably are largely servicing their community, I'm pretty sure there is lots of communication going on between them as well. Yes, absolutely. Um, yeah, quite a bit of collaboration, uh, looking at other offices, but um, but each each state is also unique, mm -hmm. um, you know, politically, economically, uh, and, and in many ways. So we're, we we operate both sort of uh, rely on on. Uh, uh, individual offices to, uh, um, but we're also talking to colleagues uh, on 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 a daily basis almost to see you know to to figure out what are our best practices. Right. Um, and we're all uh, in in many ways we're all operating uh, under similar uh, uh, programs. Right. Um, but each office, I, I can tell you that each of those twenty eight offices does not look at all like another office in terms sure. of they'll have little a uh, little bit different programming sure. different sizes um, and, um, and and our office is actually very closely tied with our Salt Lake City office okay um, and uh, for instance we rely on uh, sort of our financial and this is um, uh, you know does is not um, client facing, right. but some of our operations we rely on Salt Lake City for. Sure, sure. Um, and one of our newest offices is is not too far away from us, over in Spokane. Oh, um, okay. And for instance, and and uh, they uh, they are very closely tied with our Seattle office. Okay. Um, and so uh, many of our smaller offices, like our office here in Missoula, um, are tied to a larger uh, office that's maybe been around for a little bit longer. Okay. How does an organization like the IRC contribute to the diversity of and in a community? And why is that important? Yeah, so uh, great question. And, and so diversity, um, uh, and, and, and you can think of this in, in, in so many levels. And one way to think of it is, uh, you know, in agriculture. Uh, if, if you're growing one crop, 
uh, and it, you can be very successful in growing the same crop for a few years running. But uh, eventually that soil uh, th that, that enriches uh, you know, those crops is depleted right. if you're just using growing that same crop sure. over and over. Sure. So, and, and, and what you're lacking is the diversity uh, in that soil. What, what you're depleting is the diversity in that soil that, uh, you know, creates for a robust ecosystem that's going to be sustainable. Right. So while it may be successful for a short period of time, sure. uh, to be sustainable, this, this element of diversity is, is needed. And that's the same in so much of, of uh, it, it's true in organizations, right. it's true in places. Right. Um, and, uh, uh, and, and, and so, uh, the, it, and it, it's, in uh, the, the history of this country, that uh, we are constantly enriched and uh, uh, reinvigorated when we, when we, when we bring in uh, immigrants, right. you know, we're 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 a country of immigrants, right? Um, and that's that's what's made us so successful. So as soon as you turn that that uh, that off, that that idea of of immigration, we 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 begin to suffer, or we would begin to suffer, right? So um, and the same is true as you go down to a community level, sure. Um, and um, so that's that's. The reason to do this—that's the reason that Missoula uh, is uh, is resettling uh, uh, people here. Uh, it it um, again, it's it's the lifeblood of a community, um, and uh, reinvigorates and uh, diversifies the economy. All kinds of right. great things happen um, uh, when when you when when you contribute to this idea of diversity. Right, and while. Uh one might think that it is a very one-sided thing of um, providing shelter for somebody uh, and you're not getting much in return. In truth, it is very much a giving and taking um, of, uh, of all kinds of things. And I'm, I'm thinking here of my favorite aspect of culture, food. Uh, yes, absolutely. Where if using your analogy of the crops, if you only had three different food items to choose from, mm -hmm. um, it would get boring after yes. a while because there are only so many things you can do to a hot dog mm -hmm. before it's not a hot dog anymore and it's actually turning into something different. So having different um, culinary perspectives, having different ingredients, having different spices, whatever it may be, uh, would enrich uh, a uh, an offering of of food or restaurants in a community, mm -hmm. and so I'm thinking uh, it's not at all a one sided thing where one would provide shelter and uh, education or whatever it may be recreational opportunities to a person that is resettled. It actually would benefit the community because of that person giving back in many different ways. Exactly. Yeah, and that's exactly right. And so if you look at it um, you know, on a, from a very short-term perspective, yeah, it's easy to say, "Oh, well, we're, you know, we're just spending money uh, right. uh for no particular reason." Right. Um, but the fact is there are so many 
things that that the community gets out of this in right. return. Some of them are economic. Sure. Um, and again, they might not be realized immediately, but I, I can tell you, um, you know, uh, recently in, in Missoula during the COVID crisis and things like that, um, there a lot of employers have been in desperate need of staff, of employees. Right. Um, well, um, you know, that's one of the things that, uh, again, uh, uh, the, the folks that, that we're resettling with, sure. uh, that's a need that they can fill. Right. Um, and they have filled in our community. Right. So that's actually an almost uh, immediate, uh, direct, uh, you know, economic benefit. Right. You know, right. three weeks after they're here, right. maybe they begin to work sure. uh, and are fulfilling, allowing a restaurant to sure. not close at three o'clock every day. Right. Um, and right. Uh, and then there are there are much longer term. Oh, sure. Um, you know, we're we're now um, the resettlement. Uh, in Missoula, we're beginning to mature now. Um, you know, we've been operating now for uh, we're, we're be beginning our seventh year. Uh, uh, and and I also want to go back. Uh, we we actually operated IRC operated an office in Missoula in the 1980s um, and resettled Hmong um, mostly. Okay. Um, but uh, uh, just as an aside, but since sure. we've been back sure. since 2016. Um, and so, you know, we're, we're now seeing folks uh, that have been resettled buying homes, sure. starting businesses, sure. uh, and being contributors to, to, the community. Uh, to the community. That uh, that embraced them when they first came here. Exactly. Mm -hmm. um, enrolling at the University of Montana. Sure. Um, we, had a, we had a student enroll at MSU. I mean, just great things are happening. Sure. Um, and... Uh, and 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 oftentimes it's that uh, second generation right. that that is amazingly successful. Um, you know, one of my stories, personal stories, um, uh, and and uh, I'm going to date myself here, but I uh, um, in the 1970s, my family, uh, we, my, my mom tutored. Uh, a, a family from Vietnam, so kids. Uh, there were six kids. Okay. Um, and uh, and we we keep in touch with them to this day. Wow. Um, and so these six kids, and uh, I think probably the oldest was maybe twelve or so when 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 they came over. Sure. But there uh, there's an engineer, uh, two medical doctors, uh, a, a psychologist, or I'm sorry, a psychiatrist, and an attorney. You know, so amazingly, they, they turned out to be amazingly productive members and citizens. Sure. Um, so that's just one anecdote, and right. there are many, many, many similar to it. Right. Um, so you know, again, on in the long term, um, you know, it, 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 this makes a lot of sense uh, to do. Uh, you know, to bring that diversity sure. uh, uh, to the community. Now, the IRC offers and hosts a variety of programs and services. Can you tell us a bit more about what you offer and who you are collaborating with in the Missoula community? Yeah. We, we certainly could not do this work by ourselves. Sure. Um, we are, uh, yeah, first and foremost, very uh, grateful to be just in such a welcoming community. So, uh, you know, uh, individuals throughout the community support this work, um, uh, whether it's an employer 
who who hires uh, uh, somebody who's come to the to Missoula as a refugee, um, whether it's uh, a neighbor who um, has somebody over for dinner, all of these little pieces uh, just make such a huge difference. And again, we're very fortunate to live in such a welcoming community. Um, some of our partners uh, include um, uh, everyone from Soft Landing, uh, Missoula, um, who, uh, who, who is, is an absolutely critical partner. Uh, they, they provide um, uh, wonderful programming, including around food for children, um, and we collaborate the, with them very closely. We take, that's one of the first places we take a new arrival to okay. um, because they're just a wonderful resources. Um, other other community partners uh, include uh, the school system, mm -hmm. um, Partnership Health, um, okay. and um, a Lifelong Learning Center, uh, mm -hmm. uh, where um, not only do uh, uh, all adults who arrive as refugees are enrolled in English language learning classes there, um, but they're they they're providing all kinds of really great programming. Um, much of it specific to um, you know those uh, the, those that, that we work with. Right. Um, other uh, uh, other partners include uh, there are uh, several uh, faith-based uh, organizations, churches okay. uh, that uh, uh, help in many many ways. Um, yeah, um, and and that list is growing too. Um, and one thing that uh, is we're beginning to transition to um, is a model called sponsorship. Um, and that sponsorship model um, uh, allows for more community involvement. So if there's a group of people or an organization that says, we want to support you know, an individual or a family uh, and, and to be resettled in our community, um, uh, that's, uh, and this was just announced a couple of weeks ago, mm -hmm. actually. Um, uh, but anyhow, th things are, things are changing and, and are expanding just because again, the, the number of folks that have been displaced, uh, is, is just growing exponentially. Right. Um, and, uh, and, and so we're growing exponentially right. too. Right, right. On the IRC website www.rescue.org. There is a link under About Us um, to diversity, equity, and inclusion. Mm -hmm. Can you inform our listeners about the IRC's DEI vision and the IRC's JEDI action plan and specific uh, DEI actions that the IRC has undertaken already? Sure. Yeah. Um, uh, great. Great question, and, and very timely too. Um, so um, uh, about a year ago, um, it, we uh, IRC conducted uh, what, what we call a people survey. Mm -hmm. So this was uh, a survey of all of our staff, okay. um, and uh, and not only in the United States but throughout the world, um, and. Uh, Part of the reason for, for doing this survey was to address these very uh, issues, to see how people um, see, get a snapshot of what our staff looks like, um, uh, you know, uh, 
whether it's nationality, race, uh, gender, age, all of those pieces. Right. Um, and uh, and then uh, and, and going a little bit deeper into that too, and, and understanding, you know, what is your experience been like in working for the organization? Of course. So it's something that that um, the organization cares very much about, okay. um, and one of the reasons why is because we are operating in forty different countries, and we're 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 serving. Uh, people in, in the United States, uh, again, who come from different cultures. Right. Um, and so there's, um, uh, you know, IRC certainly recognizes that, again, uh, it, the, the, there's, there's a great benefit to having a diverse staff. Right. Um, to people who, uh, you know, who are contributing to the organization who have had a shared experience. Um, so for example, in, in our Missoula office, you know, several of our uh, of our staff uh, came to the United States as refugees or as immigrants, uh, um, and uh, and that there's a huge value to that too. Um, so anyway, uh, we've we've taken this this people survey, um, and and actually in the last few days, in the last couple of weeks, that is now being disseminated to the offices. Okay, um, and. Um, uh, at the same time, uh, we have identified uh, and hired uh, uh, Jedi uh, uh, director for three regions in the United States. Okay. Um, so somebody that uh, I, as a as a an office leader, can work with um, to to work on initiatives to learn from again these survey results and and um, and to be able to talk about you know what what sometimes can be challenging and hard issues. Of course. Um, and uh, so and 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 and. The last thing I'll just mention is some of this uh, has been put into place already. Some action uh, and uh, in regard to hiring, especially, um, and and just being a lens and and having that as as a piece of uh, well, so we're all aware of it, right. um, and and it's something that's kind of front of mind as you know, and, and a lens through which we look at all kinds of things. Now, um, the IRC is a very efficient operation in many ways, with 87% of its budget going to program services. How important are outside financial contributions to the success of the IRC? Uh, they're hugely important. Um, okay. Yeah, so- I had a feeling they uh, yeah. would be. <laughs> um, so uh, in the United States, uh, again, Part of our part of our funding comes through the government, sure. um, through uh, a couple of agencies, through the Department of State, mm -hmm. um, and that's to they they sort of fund this initial resettlement period. Okay, um, and then there's another office called the Office of uh, Refugee Resettlement. It's okay. part of the Federal Department of Health and Human Services that provides some uh, additional services for you know uh, after that initial settle resettlement period. Okay. What I can tell you, though, is that you know the amount that the State Department provides, uh, which is ends up in, in direct assistance, being about twelve hundred dollars per person, um, and that is supposed to get somebody through three months of living. Um, and you can imagine uh, we, we we have a housing crisis not only in Missoula. Where it's particularly acute, right. but in other communities too, throughout the country, sure. and so uh, that 
$1,200 per person is not going to get wiped you. out right. in a week or two. Yeah, right. You know, I'm paying for temporary housing at a hotel sure. or an Airbnb. Sure. So what what we have to do is make up the the the, the difference, you know, between uh, again, that right. amount that the, is provided by the government right. uh, and everything else sure. um, by relying on, on uh, uh, donations, uh, volunteers, sure. all of those things. Okay. So it's a huge part of, of, of what we do. One might think that conflict and war are the only reasons why people around the world are forced from their homes and their homelands. But there is another contributor that has grown in significance over the past couple of decades, climate change. Can you speak a bit about how the IRC assists climate change refugees? Yes. So, um, and, and we spoke a little bit about this earlier, but um, this is one of the drivers of this, these huge numbers of displaced people, right. uh, is this, this notion of climate change. Um, and uh, so, uh, again, what we do is we respond um, and, and, and we, we serve these, these folks that have gone through a humanitarian crisis. Right. So, again, one of the biggest drivers of that humanitarian crisis, uh, this, these, these huge migration numbers, right. is, is the, the changes in, in climate. And we might um, even, at this point, I'm thinking for our audience, perhaps define what a climate refugee would be. Mm-hmm. So it could be a person that is pushed out of their um, their environment because of rising sea levels, mm-hmm. right? That could be a climate refugee. It could be a person that was a farmer and the area where their farmland is is now permanent drought. Correct. And that person cannot farm anymore. Yes. That person would mm-hmm. also be pushed out. Mm-hmm. What other, are there other climate change refugees than water and water related? Yeah, well, um, yeah, so if, if you think sort of broader in, in terms of uh, economics, right? Um, you know, uh, climate change, uh, one of the impacts is just to local economies. Right. Um, so it might be based on, on Agriculture, right. um, like like you've mentioned, um, but there's also uh, as you know we're depleting many many resources. Um, True. That that is another huge element to this, um, and and so there's conflict over that, um, right. and and so the folks that are disproportionately impacted by climate change and and this need to uh, or again what happens when right. you have that dis- this displacement um, is dis proportionally those who are already maybe in need. Sure. Um, and uh, IRC, according to some of the, the data they've, they've shown, 80% of those who are displaced due to climate change are, are women and children. Okay. Um, uh, so that, that gives you an idea of who this is impacting. Right. Um, on the other hand, what, you know, another big piece of this migration um, and, and I read about this several months ago, but um, basically the sweet spot for agriculture is moving further and further north. Um, so mm. moving, and actually Montana is now kind of in that sweet spot. <laughs> um, and, and, you know, 
right. uh, southern Canada. Um, and, you know, if you draw a map around the world right. um, at that longitude, you get an idea. And um, so we're going to need we're going to need people in Montana um, to to, you know, grow, grow the world's food. Right. Um, and, and in Canada, the, the number was was crazy. It was something like they're going to need 125,000 or sorry, 125 million people to move to Canada to be able to produce the food to su- support, you know, uh, wow. uh, the uh, the food needs right, uh, right. Uh, across the world. So it's not a small crisis by any means. Exactly, exactly. It's actually probably bigger than anything else. Right, right. Uh, is that concern for uh, changing environments and how those environments are used. Right, exactly. And, uh, and, and I, obviously the agriculture one uh, would be the most obvious one, mm-hmm. although I'm sure that if one would look into um, fisheries around the world and how changing sea levels mm-hmm. have impacted people that are fifth generation fishermen right. uh, and that are now doing something completely different that has nothing to do with fish anymore mm-hmm. simply mm-hmm. because the water might have uh, you know m- might have left their area completely right. uh, or uh, is now flooded. Yep, absolutely. And so I, I just wanted to, because when I first heard the term uh, climate refugee, I was thinking, so what, what does that actually mean? How, mm-hmm. how is somebody so impacted by climate that they would be pushed out of their, of their homeland or of their community? Mm-hmm. A- and then upon further reading, I thought, well, yeah, that makes sense. Uh, those things are not happening on any small scale. So then by the very fact that they're happening around the world, um, they might actually impact uh, millions and millions of people that you might not even think of because, again, people might think of refugees as typically something that is related to some kind of conflict or war. And, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, who is most affected by climate change and how can we all help fight climate change? Is there um, anything that from your experience, something that would trickle down to to the, the average person, the individual? Yeah, well, nothing specific that I can think of um, that addresses this other than, uh, I, again, this is um, as as this great migration is one of our great challenges, so is climate change. Right. Um, and, uh, you know, and, and again, the 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 climate, uh, the climate change has a disproportionate impact on those already sort of in need. Right. Those, those those of us who are most vulnerable. Right. You know, whether it's in the United States. Sure. Uh, or whether it's, you know, right. in, in, right. in other other continents. Sure. Um, and uh, yeah, so just being aware of, of all of these things and, and, you know, in the United States, we're, we're a very consumptive uh, society. Um, and so uh, just just being aware that 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 notion of being consumptive 
has an impact um, that you know we we may not necessarily see. Right. Um, well, we we most certainly don't necessarily see. Right. Um, and and so just having that awareness and um, you know um, maybe that causes you to um, take a shorter shower um, or to. Um, uh, you know, turn the heat down a little bit. Right. Uh, just those little things. Uh, it's, you're, collectively. It, yeah, if, collectively. If millions of people it do make, it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'm always thinking of, you know, recycling. I mean, at, uh, on a personal level, you could go, well, what difference does it make if I throw the aluminum can in the regular garbage or right. if I put it to, into the uh, aluminum recycle bin? Mm-hmm. But when you have a million uh, aluminum cans or a hundred million aluminum cans at some point mm-hmm. there is a big impact right of that and so I, I think it's just uh, looking or changing one's perspective of well it makes no difference what I do uh, in the greater scheme of things well when everybody thinks that then of course it does make a difference yes, it's just that people exactly have to right. sort of get that started mm-hmm. and so uh, yeah i totally agree with you there's probably actually lots of things that we could do uh if we all just do them mm-hmm. yeah collectively as a society as a community and it's not so much the individual anymore but it's the collective impact of of many that's exactly that's that's what it takes right I have heard concerns in the past about the resettlement of refugees. What is done to assure that refugees are not a danger to a community uh, that they are resettled in? Yeah, so uh, interesting fact, um, uh, and this is my second favorite fact to cite about sort of our work. My first favorite is that IRC was founded at the suggestion of Albert Einstein, which is, I think, pretty awesome. <laughs> it is. Um, but, but, but another, uh, I think, important thing to, to get out there. So refugees are the most vetted travelers uh, to the United States. Okay. Um, so they go through a very, very rigorous um, process of, of the alphabet soup of uh, U.S. agencies, uh, background checks, health checks, um, you know, the FBI, uh, all kinds of uh, Department of um, uh, Homeland Security, Homeland Security, DHS, right? right. Um, many people, many, many people are involved uh, in, in that process. And it's, it's, it's actually a years long process. Okay. Um, uh, and uh, so again, the, the, those that come to the United States as refugees are the most vetted uh, you know, security-wise, health-wise, right. uh, et cetera, uh, travelers right. to our country. So it's not like you know somebody and you get a stamp in your passport. Correct. It's a much, much greater sort of uh, structure that you have to get through yes. and to come out of mm-hmm. to, in the end, be resettled. Correct. So it's not something that happens quickly or that happens with like one checkbox. Correct, okay. yes. And and again, it's a multi-agencies. I sure. mean, it's not just one person or right, one, right. Uh, one organization that's kind of looking at, oh, you filled this out. Um, and they're doing biometric um, testing, sure. you know, to, to make sure that this person that you say is your brother who's already been resettled in the United States is in fact your brother. Right. You know, they're, 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 it's a, 
very in-depth uh, uh, process. And I think that should um, that should uh, put a lot of the rumors to rest that um, you know people are resettled that could uh, potentially be dangerous or that um, are coming here for the wrong intentions or things like that. Yes. Because in that yeah. vetting process, those would be weeded out, right? And right. Uh, and they would not. Yeah. Be qualifying for resettlement, obviously. Correct. Okay. Correct. What are you most proud of at the IRC that has happened under your leadership? Yeah. So um, when I joined the organization in uh, almost two years ago, so in March of 2021, okay. we were a very small office. Uh, I was the fourth staff member, um, full-time staff member, um, and, uh, uh, and, and that was – you know, there were many things going on there. We were in the middle of the COVID pandemic crisis. Uh, and uh, we, uh, you know, a new administration, federal administration had just stepped in. Um, and the previous administration uh, had sort of depleted uh, much of the in infrastructure that does this resettlement work. Okay. Um, and so one of the things the, the president does, um, and historically, presidents have agreed that refugee resettlement, uh, uh, you know, everybody agrees that this is something that we can and should be doing. Um, but uh, the Trump administration uh, took a different view of that. And here's an example of, of, of that. So historically, that uh, the, the, the president sets um, a, a ref, refugee admittance uh, ceiling. Okay. Um, and so it's a number of, of folks that we hope to resettle in, 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 in any given year. Okay. So historically, that's been um, around 100,000 uh, people, right. 100,000 people, okay. um, 90 to 100,000 people. And, and so if you go back to the start of sort of our current uh, environment that, that we resettle folks in, which goes back to 1980, again, that it's been very consistent. Sure. So it was actually highest kind of during the Reagan administration when it was closer to, you know, around 140,000 was the average. Oh, wow. Um, and uh, but stayed very, very constant and okay. pretty consistent. So during the Trump administration, that number went all the way down in his uh, fourth, uh, fourth year in office uh, to 15,000. Um, and, you know, so... I mean, a, a very, very significant drop. Um, and, uh, and, and at that time, too, we we're in the middle of a pandemic. So effectively, during that year, there were very few people resettled uh, in the United States. So what happened when the, when the Biden uh, administration came in, uh, they said we, one of our priorities is actually to raise that number significantly. Um, and so... Uh, they raised that first to 65,000 uh, during fiscal year 21, mm -hmm. um, and then to 125,000, uh, which is what we're operating under this year. Okay. So with that, um, our office, you know, uh, has grown significantly. So uh, we now uh, we now have over 20 uh, full-time staff, and uh, and we're growing. Uh, and, uh, and, and so I'm most proud that we have uh, managed to build, uh, uh, just build our capacity. And you uh, said our four, when you joined, there was four people, yes. staff? Yes, four full-time staff. Two years ago? 
Uh, yes. Yep. Wow. Uh, yeah, and we're continuing to grow. I'm, you know, I'm probably looking to hire uh, another eight to ten staff here in the next uh, few months. Um, and uh, we we had to move out of our office, our old office. It was too small. Sure. Uh, we recently moved into a new office, and 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 it's funny that we we decided on this place several months ago, and I said, oh, this is going to be great. We're going to have so much room, and it's all been accounted for now. Sure. So sure. no no more conference rooms, no more right. you know, break rooms. Right. It's everything. Well that's a nice up. problem so, to have though. It is. To, it to is. sort of say yeah. we're not we're not going backwards and getting smaller. Yeah. We're actually yeah. getting larger because there is a need yes. uh, for this. And that yeah. that would sort of bring me to um, my question of with the current state of affairs in the world uh, it is sadly very unlikely that the IRC will become obsolete mm-hmm. anytime soon. What is your biggest wish and hope moving forward? Hmm. Um, yeah, well, I, again, just getting this out there, um, again, that this is one of uh, humanity's, um, uh, one, of, one of the biggest challenges we're facing is this, this issue of displaced people. Right. Again, we're at record numbers in the world and that's not that's not going down anytime soon. Right. So and and there's there's the, and we can we we can do stuff to 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 help those sure. uh, folks again who have been displaced. Sure. We've done it in the past. Right. And and we 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 can meet that moment. Um but it it requires, you know, keeping this front of mind. Right. Um and uh, uh, so that's that's my hope that this stays in, in in our in our human consciousness that you know uh, there are folks out there that 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 need help right. and that we can help. Right. Um, and it, and it, and another thing I, I like to refer back to uh, again is I, I think this is part of our DNA as a as a nation in the United States. Um, uh, again, there are stories. My um, uh, my spouse's uh, uh, mother was born in a uh, refugee camp in Germany, uh, and she had to flee the Soviet Union. Uh, her fam or her parents did um, because uh, her father was a Russian of German descent during okay. the Second World War. Okay. Um, and, uh, you know, and then when I look at my history, I, I found out that uh, uh, there are some French Huguenots uh, uh, that had to leave France right. uh, and arrived to the port of Baltimore in 1703. <laughs> you know, so going way back. Sure, but, but, sure. But this is, this is um, all of our stories right. except for, oh, sure. you know, indigenous folks. And, right. Um, yeah, and, I mean, most of us come from somewhere else. Yes, yes. Uh, unless, like you said, you are a person of indigenous mm-hmm. uh, uh, background and you actually have always been in one location. Yeah. Uh, and if that's not the case, people uh, actually have come from somewhere else than they typically currently live in. Sort of an interesting thing to wrap one's mind around Yes. is yeah. that we are in in a sense, or that we have been, in a sense, at all, at some point, all been 
refugees. Yes, exactly. Uh, for better or worse, whatever the reasons were. But. Yeah, and I think we need to tap back into that because I think we're, we're we've lost a little bit right, of that. Right. Right. Um, and 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 so continuing to just tell that story, right. I think is. You know, because it's 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 one of the one of our greatest human conditions. Right. You know, place and uh, sure. and then having to leave a place. Sure. Um, there, there's, yeah. Coming to the end of our conversation, and and I can't believe that we've talked for an hour. It always sort of <laughs> goes so quickly. Um, you mentioned the importance of uh, community members and volunteers earlier, and I would like to close with. Um, asking you, how can community members contribute to the success of the IRC? And uh, somebody that listened to this podcast uh, is touched and moved and says, I want to help. Where do they go? How do they get connected? Yeah, well, um, uh, first, what what can you do? Um, many, many things, some of them small, some of them a little bit bigger. Sure. Um, if you're an employer and you need staff, you know, reach out. And um, uh, again, uh, that's one way you can help. Um, uh, housing. Right. Uh, if you have uh, an apartment uh, that, uh, that that you would like to, to rent to a, a, a family uh, who came to the United States right. as a refugee. Um, uh, yeah, and of course, uh, uh, donating your talent and, and your treasure. So making donations, um, um, but also volunteering. Uh, and, uh, um, and then the, the last thing, uh, again, and, and this is small, um, but again, just be kind, be welcoming. Uh, that goes such a long way. Um, and again, I'm, I'm proud to be part of a community where uh, we, we, that, that's in our nature. Um, and, uh, yeah, so th those are, those are a few things you can do. Um, if you want to reach out to us, uh, again, uh, and, and, uh, our, our, our email address, or I'm sorry, our web, uh, address is rescue.org, mm -hmm. uh, slash Missoula. Okay. Um, and you can connect directly with our office. Wonderful. Um, and, um, yeah, thank you for, for this opportunity to talk about, uh, well, the organization I work for and, and the work that we do. It was a pleasure having you and thank you for making um, our community a more diverse community. All the best to you. All right. Thanks, Udo. My guest for this first International Voices podcast of 2023 was the deputy director of the International Rescue Committee, Missoula Branch. The 11 monthly International Voices podcast episodes in 2023 are exclusively sponsored by Orr McDonnell Law in Missoula, your advocates for all personal injury, family law, and landlord-tenant matters. As always, thank you for listening. Those of you who are regularly tuning in to International Voices know, being of German descent, I usually end with a German farewell. Dankeschön fürs Zuhören. International Voices is brought to you by Arts Missoula Global and The Trail 1033. This and previous International Voices podcasts can be found at artsmissoula.org and thetrail1033.com.
If your interests are in global and intercultural education, programming, cultural and global competence, and international affairs, we hope you join us again next month for a new episode of International Voices. Thank you.